0: Where would our worship be without music and the ability to sing together? Let's uh, gather our hearts together now in prayer. Dear God who brings life out of death, we pray now for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit upon each of our hearts and minds so that as we reflect upon this story of the risen Jesus appearing to his terrified friends, we might find our place in this story and enter into it fully ourselves. We pray this through Christ. Amen. In the opening scene of the Broadway musical Hamilton, we hear each of the characters describing their relationship with Alexander Hamilton, the protagonist. Mulligan and Lafayette sing, we fought with him. Lawrence sings, I died for him. Eliza, Angelica, Maria Reynolds saying, I loved him. And Aaron Burr says, I'm the fool that shot him. Actually, that's the PG version of what Aaron Burr says. In a similar way, a musical about Jesus might go something like this Peter, I denied him. Judas, I betrayed him. The three Marys and John, we never left him. And all of the rest of the disciples, we deserted him. Now, for all of these followers who abandoned Jesus, which by the way is all of the men except one. What must it feel like when the risen Jesus appears to them? I mean, friends, what do you and I experience when we first meet somebody that we've terribly wronged? These failed disciples must surely now expect Jesus's complete condemnation, judgment, and censure. But astonishingly, Jesus' very first words to the people who have failed and abandoned him are, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And friends, here we see the reality that we often need God's grace the most when we deserve it the least. You know, in the following years after the resurrection, we see the Jesus movement exploding outward to Greece and Italy, Ethiopia, Iraq, and as far away as India. And we just have to ask ourselves, what causes this movement to burst outward with such propulsive power and energy? I mean, especially since we know That this movement was in such complete disarray and disintegration following Jesus's death. Friends, I believe it is these first Easter encounters with the risen Jesus where he invites his followers into a restored relationship of sheer grace beyond all earning, worthiness, or negotiation. Every terrible failure that separates them and that separates us from Jesus is graced and forgiven. Peace. Peace be with you jesus steps over all their past failures and all of our terrible failures and makes a new future possible his grace heals our broken hearts heals our broken bodies heals our broken minds peace Be with you, he says to us. Friends, I don't know about you, but after this horrific year of pandemic, after this year of reckoning with the scope of racism in our nation and in my own soul, After this year filled with anxiety, doubt, loneliness, and isolation, I find myself drawn to these Easter stories like I never have before. And what I'm noticing, and especially loving this year, is the New Testament's unvarnished honesty about how the disciples respond to the risen Jesus. I mean, just like us, <laughs> they are this wonderful mix of doubt and faith, all mixed together. As verse 41 puts it today, their joy is mixed with their disbelieving. Did you hear that? Their joy is mixed with They're disbelieving. Don't we know that feeling well? And then last Sunday, we heard Thomas say that unless he touches the wounds of Jesus, he's never going to believe it. And yet, after he meets the risen Jesus, he ends up being the one who makes one of the Bible's most astonishing confessions about Jesus. He says, my Lord and my God. And in our story today, the disciples are doubting and spooked and sure (laughs) that Jesus is a ghost. And how does Jesus respond to them? He lovingly invites them to touch the terrible nail wounds on his hands and his feet. Think about that. And then, I I think Jesus surely has a twinkle in his eye now. He asks his friends for a piece of fish to eat. (laughs) And then later, even at Jesus's great commission, of his disciples in Galilee, where he sends them out, remember, to make disciples of all the nations, even here on this mountaintop. Matthew twenty-eight sixteen says that some of them are still doubting, just like us. Friends, in all these Easter stories, we see our dear Jesus working with these disciples just as he so patiently works with you and me in our joy and in our disbelieving. And in his great mercy, he says to all of us, dear Chestnutters, peace be with you. And friends, these last two Sundays, I felt myself especially drawn to how Jesus invites Thomas and then the other disciples to see and then to touch his wounds, his places of deepest pain and agony. Think about this. Though the risen Jesus can now walk through locked doors and is no longer bound by limitations of time and space, still the terrible wounds of his crucifixion remain. God does not wave a magic wand and make them all disappear. God does not wave a magic wand and make them all disappear. Why? Why, dear friends? Because I believe his wounds have become the place from which God has drawn good from evil so wisely and so beautifully. His wounds have become our portals, access points to the unrationed, boundless grace of God. Mysteriously, by his wounds, we have all been healed. So, friends, what might this mean? for how you and I think about our own deep wounds, which we all have, which we all have. The places where we have been scarred by life, wounded by others and wounded by ourselves. Friends, just as with Jesus, I believe, God never waves a magic wand and makes all our wounds disappear, but instead mysteriously reintegrates and beautifully redeems them. Instead, with God, there are no dead ends. God wastes nothing in our lives. And sometimes God even transforms our deepest wounds. What are yours? An addiction, a business failure, a moral breakdown, a deep loss. God takes these things and transforms them into a unique giftedness and compassion for serving others. God knows how to draw good from evil so wisely and so beautifully. And God especially loves using our worst mistakes in our favor. In our favor. As one writer has put it, What could we have ever have learned without the help of our wounds, our brokenness, our failures? Who would we even be today without our wounds? And friends, what would you and I ever really know about God's grace and forgiveness? The very heart of the gospel, without our wounds. Let me close. At the end of our gospel reading today, Jesus tells his disciples now to go be his witnesses. I love that. Witnesses. I shared this story with Clayton and Dottie on Thursday, and and Dottie said, I'd never heard that. We're called to be witnesses. Not to be the judge, not to be the jury, not to ever be the prosecuting attorney, just humble witnesses of God's grace coming to us when we needed it the most and deserved it the least. Friends, our Christian faith is in deep, deep crisis right now in America. Because scandalously, the followers of Jesus are mostly known far and wide right now for our arrogance, our racism, our certainty, our violence, and our hunger for power, known for being the judge, the jury, and the prosecuting attorney. But our Lord Jesus, our risen Jesus, calls us instead simply to be his humble witnesses and his wounded healers, broken people, you and me, broken people, sharing with our broken world How in Jesus, God has transformed our deepest wounds into portals of grace and healing. And inviting others to let God just do the same for them as well. Amen.